This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit walkwiththeking.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening. All right, thank you very much. And hello again, radio friends. How in the world are you? Doing all right? Oh, I trust so. Bless your heart. Now, beloved, we've been looking at the Gospel of Mark, and we're into the third chapter. Our Lord Jesus was a church-going person. Remember that when you're tempted to say, oh, well, I have a Sunday headache. I'll stay home today. The Lord Jesus went to the synagogue. This is mentioned in chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3. He entered again into the synagogue. Now he finds a man with a withered hand. And this is the Sabbath day now. And so they're looking not for something good to happen to the poor man, but they're looking for a chance to uh, criticize the Lord Jesus. Small thought here. Everything depends on your attitude when you go to church. You can go to church looking for things to criticize, and believe me, you'll find plenty of them. All of us have enough faults to provide grist for anybody's criticism mill. So if you go to church looking for things to criticize, you'll find that the service didn't start on time or started too early or whatever it may be. The ventilation wasn't just right. The seats weren't comfortable. The hymn books were worn out, or maybe somebody didn't give you one. Nobody smiled at you as you came in. Of course, you didn't smile at anybody either, did you? And uh, the minister's sermon lacked coherence, or it lacked proper illustration, or it was too short, or it was too long. The choir sang sharp, or sang flat, or didn't sing together, or you didn't like the number anyway. And so on down the list. You can always find something to criticize, my dear friend, if you go with that in mind. These people were in the church looking for something to criticize. They watched him, that they might accuse him. Oh, take that to heart, will you, my dear friend? Before you go into God's house, bow momentarily and say, Lord, bless me and make me a blessing. Speak to my heart today, and may my life shine for thee. And then go in prepared to overlook the faults and foibles and shortcomings of other human beings around you, knowing that you yourself have a goodly share of the same, and just listening for the voice of the Lord instead, and looking for a blessing to come your way, and then also looking for people whom you may help and encourage. I used to tell the young people at the college, Everybody you ever meet will be hurting somewhere. Find out where he or she is hurting and help to apply the healing balm of Gilead to that hurting place and you'll be a blessing. Be an encourager, not a discourager. My good friend Roy McCandless used to say of someone whom we both knew, she has the gift of discouragement. (laughs) Well, some of us are like that, I guess, aren't we? Be an encourager, won't you? And uh, find people that you can express friendship and Christian love to them. The world is so full of folk who are preoccupied with their own doings that they haven't time for others. Let's you and I be the kind of people who notice other people and who encourage them and help them. And let this be an evidence when you go into God's house the next time. They watched him, see that they might accuse him. Well, he said to this man with the withered hand, Stand forth. Now he asked the people, is it, is it right, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day or to do evil, to save life or to kill? 
But they didn't answer, because, you see, had they answered, they would have been hung on the horns of their own dilemma. And so uh, they kept still. Well, he looked round about them with anger. We talked about that the last time we got together, how to handle anger. You remember that? So I won't go over it again today, except just to tick off what we said. Uh, identify the cause of your anger. Let the Lord Jesus handle it and do something constructive about it. Those three things will help you weather a good many storms of, of anger. Well, he looked round about them with anger. It says, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts. Hardened hearts. Uh, this is part of, of the human heritage of sin. The ability to harden your heart against God and to, uh, to operate in unbelief is part of the heritage of sin. Our Lord Jesus, uh, after his resurrection, appeared to the eleven as they were eating a meal and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them who had seen him after he was risen. Hardness of heart. What is all that? What is it about? Well, the fact that the passage I just read you from the end of Mark, where it says unbelief and hardness of heart, those two go together. Refusal to commit the situation and yourself with it to God is unbelief. Hardness of heart is the byproduct of unbelief. That is to say, when you say, I will not commit this moment to God, that's unbelief. But you go on from that to say, it cannot possibly happen that God would do anything about this moment. That's hardness of heart. I think many of us have gotten into the habit of saying can't be done. I think just this moment of a missionary, he had a compound name. What was his? It was Gordon Smith, Gordon-Smith. That was his last name. He worked with the Christian and Missionary Alliance many years ago and uh, out in Vietnam, as a matter of fact. And uh, he said that he built a house trailer, he and another a national uh, a carpenter of sorts, built a whole house trailer, and all he knew, well, all that the all that the uh, the carpenter knew in English was to say, can't be done. Can't be done. And all that the missionary knew at the time, in, in the, the language of the Dear National, was to say, do it this way. So he said he built a whole house trailer with the national brother saying, can't be done, and the missionary saying, do it this way. And they got along all right. It can't be done. How often we say that. Some wag has said that there are two reasons for doing nothing in a church. One is to say, we never tried it before. The other reason for doing nothing is to say, we tried it before. If you use both those reasons all the time, you'll end up doing nothing, won't you? Hardness of heart. Hardness of heart comes from unbelief. Unbelief says, I will not commit the situation to God just now. Hardness of heart says, I cannot, nor will I, commit anything to God because it doesn't work. You get a couple of illustrations of this. For example, Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt, 
was confronted by Moses and Aaron in that early day there when God was preparing to deliver his people. And uh, Moses said, God says, let my people go. Pharaoh says, who is this God? Moses says, in effect, I'll show you. And then comes the ten plagues that God sent upon the Egyptians. Now, interestingly enough, when the plague was on, whether it was the mice or the lice or the boils or the rain or whatever it was, Pharaoh would say, oh, you pray for me and ask God to lift the plague off of me. But then it says, he hardened his heart, and he hardened his heart yet more. You find that in the eighth chapter and other chapters there of Exodus. Pharaoh turned and went into his house, and neither did he set his heart to this also. Um, what was the what was the source of that hardness of heart? The source of it was that Pharaoh knew that if he did comply with the command of God, it would cost him all his free labor. The hardening of one's heart very frequently is related to the cost or the supposed cost, as the case may be, of obeying God. God says, give me your life. And you say, oh, no, I can't do that because it would change my career plans. I plan to be a medical doctor and God might send to me, send me as a, as a missionary or something. The cost. Young man in Japan many years ago, speaking with him and uh, saying, do you, you, you understand the gospel? Do you know that you need a savior? Oh, yes. Do you believe that Jesus died and rose again for you and that you could become a Christian? simply by confessing him as Lord and Savior? Oh, yes, I understand all that. Well, are you ready now to confess him as Lord and Savior? Oh, no. Well, why not? Why, because if I become a Christian, my father will disown me, and he'll stop supporting me at the university. I'm a student at the major university, and I, 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 would, I would forfeit my entire university education if I became a Christian. Oh, no, I can't become a Christian. And he walks away. Praying many years ago now with... Uh, some folk after a meeting in uh, Miami, uh, Florida. Among them was a very well-to-do lady, evidently by the way she was dressed. And she had come and was in the inquiry room, and some of the uh, sisters were kneeling around her and not really seeming to get anywhere. And so I went over and stood beside them and uh, uh, began to understand something of what was going on. And as I spoke with this dear lady, I said, why don't you simply risk everything on the uh, matter of receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior? Oh, no, she said, I, I just can't do it. My husband is of another faith, and he has told me if I ever become a Christian, he would divorce me. And I can't stand to think about that. And with those words, she got up off her knees, reached over for her mink stole, put it around her shoulders, went out, got in her new Cadillac, and drove off unsaved. Hardened hearts. What does it come from? Oftentimes, beloved, it comes from the unwillingness to pay the price. Paul the Apostle said, What things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but refuse that I may win Christ and be found in him not having my own righteousness, but the righteousness which is by faith. 
Well, beloved, I think you and I have to decide, don't we? Is it worthwhile to obey God, no matter what the cost may be? Oh, may God grant to you and to me the willingness to say yes to God. Pharaoh wasn't willing. He hardened his heart because it was going to cost him the free labor that he had from millions of people. Now, there's another verse that occurs to me momentarily, and that is found in Proverbs 29.1. He that being often reproved hardeneth his heart shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. He that being often reproved hardeneth his, well, it says neck here, same thing. What is involved there? It's the unwillingness to submit to divine guidance. God wants to guide you. You want it your way. And so you go your own way with disastrous consequences. Oh, pray your way through the day, beloved. Pray your way through the day. Trust God to keep you and guide you and say yes to his blessed guidance every step along the way. Dear Father, today, may we specialize in putting thee first. In Jesus' name, amen. Till I meet you once again, by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.